Well, if you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Psalms. We find ourselves in Psalm 90 this morning. Psalm 90. Father, we we thank you for being so good to us. All our bills are paid and, and money in the bank. And it's your money. And so we just want to use it for your glory. We're a non-profit. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that that you allow us the privilege to be that that conduit. To just funnel the funds where you so choose. And so Lord... Fill us with your Holy Spirit. I pray for every Bible-believing Christian in this room this morning. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and give us wisdom on where we can give this money to that would be of the most benefit, that would save souls, that wouldn't just go for administrative cost or advertising cost, but would go to, to the local community. Lord, even show us where there's Native pastors that need help, that need support, where they're out serving their their country, their community, their city, their town. Father, that we just might have a greater impact uh, through these funds. For again, for your glory, Father. Even as Jesus said, that your Father in heaven would be glorified, and so that's why we do these things, Lord. And Father, we also pray for your Holy Spirit. I pray for the gift of teaching. And Lord, that your Holy Spirit would, would calm our hearts right now. Whatever has happened this week, good, bad, or indifferent, help us right now to lay that at your throne and to focus on this, these psalms this morning, these songs, these, these praises, that we might become more like Jesus. That's why we're here this morning, Father. We need to be more like Jesus in a world that is becoming more and more anti-Christian. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Now, now since this psalm is attributed to Moses, it is probably the oldest psalm written. And you're going to see that Moses goes back and forth between frail man, which you and I, we are, frail mankind, and the Almighty God. Sinful man, mankind, versus a holy God in life and death. You see, he probably wrote this after the nation rebelled against God at Kadesh Barnea, and you can find that story in Numbers chapters 13 and 14. And they returned to the wilderness for another 38 years of travel, or what is better known as the wandering through the wilderness years. And Moses in this psalm, he gives us insight into how short this life is as he spent close to 40 years in Pharaoh's court. He was in the palace. And then he spent 40 years as a shepherd in Midian in the pasture. And now, having spent two years with a group of people who were very stubborn, and disobedient, not that we can relate to them at all, but very stubborn and disobedient, interceding on their behalf. And we could look at him as the priest. So the prayer of Moses, the man of God, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from 
everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You see, Moses was able to look back and see that God was the center of his ancestry. Not that his ancestry was perfect. We know that they weren't. But they did have God as their source of gaining wisdom, as well as providing for their necessities. You know, you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Levi, Kohath, Amram, and then Moses. And it's a blessing to be able to look back and see the generations that have followed the Lord. And for us today, because unfortunately what we do is we read about them or we hear them and we immediately put the responsibility on them. Guys, they're dead. They're dead. They're not coming back to do our job. They're dead. And so for you and me, we may be just that example to those future generations that will follow the Lord if he tarries. You see, it's so important for you and me, and and this is hard, but it's so important to start somewhere. And everyone in this room can start somewhere. And maybe you are the genesis for those who are yet to lead. All of us can participate in this in one way or another. The question is, are we willing to surrender? You see, we need to dig deep and stay focused because future generations will one day thank you for that. We also see in verse 2 here a reference to the mountains. You see, the ancient world equated mountains with dependability, something that was going to last. And Moses recognized that it was God whom he could depend upon because it was God who brought the mountains into being. Matter of fact, it was God who created it all from eternity past to eternity future. Notice there in verse, at the end of verse 2, even from everlasting, eternity past to everlasting, eternity future. You are God. And obviously that meant quite a bit since Moses spent time with God as a friend spends time with a friend. Matter of fact, he spent so much time with God that at one point he came out and his face was glowing. And the the word says that the people became afraid and they didn't actually approach Moses because they didn't know, has he gone nuclear? What's, What's the problem here? No, he just spent so much time with God. That God's glory, God's presence rubbed off on him. You see, besides Jesus and his heavenly father, Moses and God had the most intimate relationship ever. So Moses was able to say, you are God. Now, this might sound obvious to us sitting here this morning. But how many billions, and this is a reality, guys, this morning... In 2018, how many billions of people around the world today, how many millions of people in our country, how many of your co-workers or neighbors or family members don't know who God is? It's astronomical. And so guys, we have a mission as we come here for a Bible study and as we read the Word of God to not just keep it and hoard it and and put it on the shelf when we get home Sunday after church until next Sunday and take it down. 
but throughout the week to be available, to be ready, to be used by God. As Moses, after 80 years, 80 years, was used by God. See, there's no retirement in our Christian faith. Verses 3 through 6. You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood, they are like a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up. So Moses referencing people. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it is cut down and withers. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And again, if you're new or visiting, we have Bibles and the chairs in front of you. Just look down and you'll see a Bible. Please grab it. Please follow along in the Bible. It's not what I says. It's what the Bible says. And if you have a hard time with the Bible, we also, the, the team puts up a slide where it'll show you exactly where the book is found, the little white cross. So it's at the very end. There's 66 books of the Bible. So it's towards the very back of your Bible. I mean, don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Your Bible should be your best friend. You should get so used to it that when it's not around you, you go, wait a minute, where's my friend? So Peter made reference to this idea of time. And since God doesn't live within our time constraints, the Holy Spirit tries to give us an idea of how fast this life goes by. In 2 Peter 3, we read this, But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, the word of God, are reserved for fire. And fire is typically symbolic of judgment. One time the earth was flooded, judged by God. The whole earth was totally annihilated by water. The next time the whole earth is going to be totally annihilated by fire, by the judgment of God. Until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing. And Peter, as you read his apostles, he has a a way of saying, remember, remember, remember. And so what is he saying here? Do not forget. It's the same as remember. Remember this simple fact. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. He's referencing the psalm. The song. He's, he's pointing back to Moses. And he goes on to say, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness. I remember receiving the Lord in 1978, in the spring of 1978, and was listening to Pastor Chuck for about two years at that time. No, started listening to Pastor Chuck after that. And he was always, the Lord's coming back tomorrow, the Lord's coming back tomorrow, the Lord's coming back tomorrow. Pastor Chuck went home to be with Jesus, I think, what, three years ago? The Lord, the Lord came back for him. And so people look at people that say that, and they go, oh man, they've been saying that for hundreds and thousands of years. What's with this Jesus coming back stuff? Grow up. He's not coming back. But Jesus is coming back. The Bible said he's coming back. He is coming back. There's many even under the churches under the banner of Christianity that will not teach about the rapture, that don't believe in the rapture, that don't believe in the millennial reign of Christ, that 
it's crazy. And it's craziness. And so Peter here is, is reminding us, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. How many of you would be going to heaven if Jesus would have came back? Let's see, let me rephrase that. How many of you would not be going to heaven if Jesus would have came back in 2010? So in other words, how many of you received Jesus between 2010 and 2018? Raise your hand high. Don't be afraid. Nobody's going to stone you. How about 2000? How many of you have received Jesus since the year 2000? Now, aren't you glad he's slack? He's coming back on time. There is a specific moment, second, that Jesus is coming back. And so as others mock us, that's okay. That's, is that new? I think Jeremiah was mocked a little bit. But the Babylonians came right on time and wiped out Jerusalem and took them to Babylon. So don't get hung up with being mocked. Get hung up on the word of God and just stay focused on, on teaching the word and preaching the word. Why? Not willing that any should perish. And as you look up that word perish there, it means eternal separation from God. You see, guys, God lives in eternity. He knows what eternity is. He knows what heaven is. He knows what hell is. And it was not created for mankind. As you read your Bible, it was created for the angels. It was never created for mankind. And God sends no one to hell. Even this morning, God loves you. And he desires a personal relationship with you through Jesus, his one and only son. If you accept Jesus as your savior, you are now his son, his daughter. If you say, no, I don't want that. I don't believe that. Ah, that Jesus stuff. You're just held accountable because you just heard it. And you'll never be able to tell Jesus, well, nobody ever told me. You just heard it. So if you want to choose hell, that's your choice. But it's way hotter than Phoenix, let me tell you that. So you don't want to go there. You don't want to make that choice. God sends no one to hell. Not willing that any should perish, but that what? That all should come to repentance. And again, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, repentance is a big word. What does that mean? If, especially if you don't know Jesus, you're not going to know what it means. Repent just means to turn, to acknowledge I'm a sinner, which I did in the spring of 1978. I'm a sinner. I'm a 17-year-old sinner. I need a Savior. So instead of going on the highway to hell like I've been going, I'm going to turn, I'm going to repent, and I want the highway to heaven. That's all that that means. So if you're here this morning and you do not have Jesus as your Savior, I encourage you to repent and get on the highway to heaven. Because God is long-suffering. But there is a moment that Jesus is coming back. And it's going to be a lot harder to receive him after the fact. But, notice here, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And this is another verse that I believe references the rapture. Because I know when Jesus is coming back. And you do too if you're reading your Bible. Daniel tells us the exact time that Jesus is going to set foot on this earth. So it's not a thief in the night. 
But here and other verses are referencing a thief in the night. That must mean that there's two comings. It's pretty simple. In which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Now years ago, you know, and Claudia doesn't like when I get, when I use this verse. She says, eh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I like, makes sense to me, so I'm going to keep using it. <laughs> I took a thousand years and I divided it into 24 hours. So I'm like, man, a thousand years. I mean, when you go into the Sunday school, and you ask a kid, you know, a child, well, how long is eternity? You ask the Sunday school, how long is eternity? Hands go up. Yes, yes, Johnny, yes. How long is eternity? Forever. You're right, it's forever. Man, you're so smart. How long is forever? Somebody else raised their hand. Eternity. Yeah, you're right. Can you figure it out? You can't figure it out. But God gave us a little bit of clue to help us in our lives understand eternity, I believe. You see, a 1,000 years divided by 24 hours equals 41.7 earth years. You can do this yourself. Double check me. I think I'm right. So by the time you got dressed, by the time you come here, by the time you go home, basically 83 years went by. That's called life. That's called life. Just went by. Your life just went by. How long is eternity? Well, it just went by. Life did. It breaks down to 8.5 months, basically, per minute. And you can see there, four and a quarter days per second. So let's make it easy on me. Four, eight, 12, 16, 24, oh, 20, 24, 28, 32, a month just went by. Four, eight, 12, 16, 20. 24, 28, 32. Well, there goes September. How long is eternity, guys? How long is eternity? There's no clock in, in heaven. Pat didn't show up. Errol didn't show up. Hey, when did you guys get here? I, I don't know. Where's the clock? There's no clock. You're in eternity. You're not the new kid on the block. But what do we live like most of the time? Especially if you're young. I've got my whole life to know Jesus. I've got my whole life to follow after Jesus. Do you? Are you sure? Be very careful, for no one knows the day of the hour. Because as we just read, a person is born, and before you know it, they've passed on. And, and I love doing memorial services. I love doing graduations. But something that, that always impresses me at every single one, and they pretty much have a, a video at every single one or a slideshow, and the person, you know, that's in their 70s or 80s, they have a three-minute slideshow. And most people just look at it as like memories, all oh, that's so nice to remember. But I always try to remind people, that person's life was 80 years, and you just saw it in three minutes. That's reality. And, and then when, you know, a 60-year-old or a 40-year-old pass, oh, they died so young. No, they died right on time. They died right on time. You see, it's like grass, here today and gone tomorrow. And, and Jesus made reference to this as well when he was instructing his disciples about the cares of this life. You know, you're here today and you're gone tomorrow. Be careful what you store up. Be careful what you invest in. Be careful what you do with your time. 
know, what's the point with Moses and Jesus and Peter and James? Remember what James says in his epistle? You're but a vapor. Just a vapor. To give us frail human beings because we are frail. And as you get older, you feel that frailness more and more and more. To give us frail human beings the proper perspective of this life versus eternal life. You see, our Heavenly Father knows what we need for the current day, but we don't even know. We do not even know, guys, if we're going to make it through the day. No one in this room can say, I'm going to make it through this day. You can't say that. You don't know. God may call you home. All I think you say is, well, I got another breath. I'm still here. I got another breath. I'm still here. I got another breath. I'm still here. Next breath might be gone. So we look back in the psalm. Moses goes on to say in verse 7 of Psalm 90, For we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath. We are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. You see, Moses was able to look back at the years in the wilderness and know that God was aware of even those sins that were done behind the tent flaps, those closed tent flaps, those secret sins in verse 8 there. And seeing the various consequences that took place with the people in his life, and as you read of those wandering years, you see that consequences were very, very strict and forthcoming. He knew that God judged those secret sins. And 70 years or maybe 80 at the most were hard years upon this earth. He also knew that there was no guarantee that a person would have even that many years. So looking back, he makes the following exhortation to you and me. And I have this verse highlighted in my Bible and I would encourage you to highlight it. So teach us to number our days. This is Moses writing. Teach me, God, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Since humanity is compared to grass, since no one knows how many days they will have upon this earth, what do we need to do? We all need to make the most of every day. I know that's easy to say and hard to do. But you gotta get that into your mind. I need to make the most of every day. Cause it's so easy to start complaining and grumbling about the day. God, I gotta make the most of every day. I'm gonna praise you every day, every morning. Let's just say the average lifespan in America is 80 years. That would be 29,232 days. That's how many days if you live to be 80. Now some of you are over 80 years, you're past the warranty period. I'm at 21,242 days today, roughly. Which would leave me with 7,990 days, if I live to be 80. 
If we go to 70 years old, it would only leave me 4,336 days. And you might go, well, that sounds like a lot of days. You know, 70 used to found really far away when I was in my 30s. I mean, it was like ancient history. Now that I'm 58, uh, uh, wow, it's uh, it's right around the corner, 70, 70 years. And the days, I used to have a, in the thousands, now it's going down rapidly every single day. How about for you? How many days do you have left? Because we, again, we really don't know. Any one of us could die today. So Moses says that we would be wise to learn about God. Notice what he says here, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You see, Moses gained knowledge in Pharaoh's court, in the palace. And he gained knowledge watching over the sheep in the pasture. And he gained knowledge spending time with God as as the priest. So what's the difference between these avenues of knowledge? To me, the last one helps us to keep eternity in front of us. And it can also lead to a heart transformation. You know, the other two, not so much. You know, your career, a heart transformation, being more like Jesus, eh, not so much. The Word of God, hmm. You see, as we get older, the knowledge you've gained should turn into wisdom or applying the biblical principles the Holy Spirit has taught you. And unfortunately, there are many people growing older, yet, and this is just amazing to me, they are still making poor decisions in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. I mean, haven't you got the knowledge yet to figure this out? But they're still making poor decisions. Why? Because they are looking at the temporal instead of being focused on the eternal. They have the knowledge of the word, but they haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to turn that knowledge into wisdom. And here's a short little example. Knowledge is, sin hurts. Knowledge is, sin hurts. Wisdom is, avoid that sin. Pretty simple, isn't it? I'm a simple person. Not the brightest bulb on the porch. But this is what it's all about. Knowledge is, sin hurts. Yeah, I know it's going to hurt. Well, then don't do it. Oh, no, I'm going to do it anyways. God will forgive me. Okay. You got knowledge, but you sure don't have wisdom. Because chastening is going to take place, and that's going to hurt. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt others. It might hurt the community of God. Do you really want to do that? There's the difference, the simple difference between knowledge and wisdom. So Moses encourages his audience to take note of their potential days and live accordingly. And that's what I would encourage you to do this morning. Make note of your days. Because you don't know what the rest of the day holds. And and you've gained knowledge. All of us have gained biblical knowledge in this room. Many of you have been coming here for many, many, many years. But you've got to take it to the next step and say, okay, have I used that knowledge to gain wisdom? Or am I still making poor choices? Because I'm just looking at the temporal instead of the eternal. You have to ask, I can't ask that. You have to ask that yourself. For you young people, again, you think you've got 30, 40, 50, 60 years ahead of you. And we hope you do if the Lord tarries that long. But you don't know that for sure. Any one of you could die at any moment. Have you taken the the wisdom, the knowledge that you have gained so far? Because you have gained knowledge. And have you turned that knowledge into wisdom? 
Well, what would be a practical application for you young people? Most young people, very high percentage of you are going to get married. Very, very high percentage. Probably 99% of you are going to get married. So knowledge is, the Bible says, don't date an unbeliever. Well, I believe in missionary dating, and, and he said he loves me. So I know I can win him to Christ. So you're not applying your knowledge. Even at your own age, you're not applying your knowledge to wisdom. It's just knowledge. It's just up here. It hasn't sunk down here knowing God knows better, so I'm not going to date an unbeliever. I'm not going to marry an unbeliever because God knows better than I do. Wisdom, knowledge. Are you applying it in your life? Just don't store up head knowledge. Transfer it into heart wisdom. Verse 13, Return, O Lord, how long? And have compassion on your servants. Oh, satisfy us early with your mercy. And this is why I believe that Moses this could have been written after Kadesh Barnea, after they rebelled and, and after they lost people in a battle. Oh, satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. What a great closing prayer. You see, we see that it is in contrast to the previous verses. Have compassion and mercy upon us. Take us into the promised land and bless us. Establish the work that you have sent us out to do. Give us the land and establish our roots deep. There's a spiritual principle for you and me here this morning. You see, Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land because of his rebellion, but he did see it from a distance, Mount Nebo. The generation that went into the land under Joshua's leadership was able to put down roots because they had walked with God in the wilderness. It was the next generation who didn't continue to build upon the word of God. Let's look at Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. And look at some interesting verses. They've been in the land. They've conquered large portions of the land. They're enjoying the fruit of the land. As us Christians, we've come to know Jesus as our Savior. We're heading to heaven. But we do have choices to make while we're in the journey to heaven. In Judges chapter 2 verse 10. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers. What generation? You see, when they were in the wilderness and the adults rebelled, everyone older than 20 years died in the wilderness. So everyone younger than 20 years, who survived the next 38 years, they went into the promised land. They went into the promised land. So this is the generation that's being spoken of. That generation that went into the promised land, that saw the promises of God fulfilled, that saw all the miracles and the wandering years, they've now been gathered to their father. And notice this here, another generation after them who did not know the Lord. That's, that's interesting. So in other words, their children, 
the ones that they brought into the world that did not know the Lord. How could they not know the Lord? They had parents who knew the Lord. Did not the parents teach them about the Lord? I think here we see something that's possibly, don't know for sure, but possibly an accusation against even the parents. Why didn't your children know about the Lord? Why weren't you rehearsing all the miracles to them? Why weren't you proclaiming God, the God of all goodness for your, for your whole life? Because notice what happens. Nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, or Baals, however you like to pronounce it. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers. You just came into the land. Let's just say 40 years ago. You just came in 40 years ago. And you're already turning to false gods? It's easy to point a finger. But when did we come into the Lord? And have we turned to false gods? Have we put our 401k above God? Have we put our career, our hobbies? What have we put before God? Because we always think of idols as, you know, little Buddhas or little statues. We don't, we don't think of, uh, that cup with the lady on it with her hands going up. We don't look at that as an idol. No, I need that to get my day going. And then I need that to get my lunch break and I need that on my way home because I got to deal with kids. I need that. That's not an idol. It might be an idol. Go a day without it. Are you kidding, Pastor? Get out of here. For they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. Guys, this is a warning for you and I this morning. As we see the church, the big C, in many, many denominations, following the gods that are around them and bringing those gods into their very own churches and saying, it's okay. A homosexual marriage is okay. We approve of it. Matter of fact, we're going to ordain priests that are homosexual because that is an acceptable lifestyle and God loves them. The very last statement is true. God loves them. Absolutely. Does God love the adulterer? Absolutely. Does God love the gambler? Absolutely. Does God love the fornicator? Absolutely. Does God love the liar and the cheater? Absolutely. Does he approve of their lifestyles? No. Should we approve of it in our lives? No. Guys, we have to be firm in this stance. And it may cost us. It may cost us greatly as we march down this road of Christianity. Because Jesus said it's going to get bad right before he returns. And he is coming back. And you and I, we have a choice to number our days. Because I don't know what the rest of this day holds. So as Matt shared about Errol, when I get up to heaven, I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. And I know that's what you want to hear. You don't want to get to heaven and walk up to Jesus and he looks at you and goes, well, you don't want to hear that. And you, you don't really want to hear, well done. Well done. You want to hear the whole phrase. Well done, thou good and faithful 
You see, guys, we are called to be faithful in these days. We're living together in the church, male and female, is totally acceptable in many, many churches. We can look at the Bible and say, is it acceptable in the Bible? Is cheating on our taxes acceptable in the Bible? Is cheating on the workplace acceptable in the Bible? So we're not picking on a lifestyle or any one individual. We're talking about sin. Sin is sin in my life and in your life. That's why we need to repent on a regular basis, a daily basis, an hour-by-hour basis. Because if we don't, we might be doing what? We might find ourselves following other gods from among the gods of the people who are all around them. Do you all have worldly people around you? How many of you have worldly people around you? Anybody have worldly people around you? Raise your hand if you have worldly people around you. Raise them high. Because the rest of the people live in bubbles. We have worldly people around us. That's life. Paul didn't say go out of the world. Get in your Christian bubble. He said, no, go out there and be a light. Be the salt. Don't condone it. Don't fellowship with it. But you got to be in it. you got to be that light. And notice what happens in verse 13. That generation, they forsook the Lord. Forty years later? Come on. Could that happen? Look at America. Look what's happened in our country the last 40 years. Look at where Christianity is the last 40 years. It's reality. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. You see, when they turned from God's ways, they left the truth and entered into a trap set by their spiritual enemy. The nation went after and served pagan idols. They left their first love and they followed after man-made rituals. And that's where the church is heading, even under the banner of Christianity. This caused problems for them and as a society until David reunited them under God's rule hundreds of years later. David reestablished Israel once again as a nation and the beauty of the Lord rested upon Israel. Deep roots, as we hear this, deep roots only come through a system of regular deep watering. I'm sure you guys are seeing it now that we're getting into the monsoons. You see those big old trees that boom, and the roots are pulled up. Most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, the reason that that happens is because in Arizona, we put these things called drippers that were invented by the Israelites. We put these drippers on, and the water in Arizona goes how deep when you water your tree? (laughs) About that deep. It doesn't get rock. It doesn't go anywhere. And the sun comes up and sucks it up. You gotta deep water your tree. And the deeper you water it and the slower you water it, then the roots go down and they sink down and they sink deep and they go deeper, deeper, deeper because they're going for the water. I need the water, I need the water, but it's down there. Guys, that's a picture for you and I as the word of God is our water. And many Christians, boom, boom, boom. Oh, that's an acceptable lifestyle now? Oh, I agree with that. Boom, boom. Were they Christian? I don't know. That's between God and them. I'm not, I'm not a salvation investigator. I'm just a fruit inspector. But I would say the fruit's not of Christ. It's definitely not of Christ. So for you and us today, the word, it needs to be our water source from Genesis to Revelation that will allow us to put down deep spiritual roots that will last into eternity. 
Again, so many Christians are just looking for the temporal roots that this life has to offer. And as Moses has instructed us, we're only here for a short season of life. Let the beauty of the Lord, let the beauty of the Lord in verse 17 there, let the beauty of the Lord rest upon us and establish in us the work that he has planned to do through us. Does anybody have a Bible verse for that? How about Ephesians 2.10? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. For good works. And all those sins that I listed, are those good works? Everybody knows, even the world knows. No, they're not. Which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them. So this week, you and I, we have things that God wants us to do. People who are going to cross our paths and we have only maybe seconds to leave an example of Christianity, however that might be. Whether it's just a smile or a God bless you or a God loves you or a prayer for a waitress or a waiter as you're out eating or leaving a track. However that plays out in your life, guys, we only got so many days, so many hours, so many minutes and then somebody's going to be at our memorial service talking over our life. And yesterday was just, it was fantastic, Errol. I mean, it was just positive, positive, positive. He was a man of God. He impacted my life this way. He impacted my life this way. He loved the Bible. He loved the Word of God. He loved Jesus. I mean, it was just just a great testimony time. Are people going to be able to say that at your memorial service? Are people going to be impacted for Christ? As well as other ways. He did other things. But that's when it's all said and done. That's what the most important thing is. And how about the next generation? Are they going to be able to say, there is a God. And I'm going to follow that God. For you young people in this room, I I would never trade places with you. With none of you. I'm glad I'm 58. Hope I die today. You have so many pressures that I didn't have as a teenager. And the only way that you're going to make it through is by memorizing the Word of God, by meditating on the Word of God, by loving the Word of God. Because it's the only way that I'm making it today. And for the mature Christians in this room, they will say, it's the only way that they're making it. Because we all have pressures. We all have pressures. Father, we thank You and praise You. Teach us to number our days. Whether we're young or whether we're old, help us to wake up and look at each and every day as a blessing, as a gift, as a potential opportunity to serve you somehow, some way. Help us to keep the temporal temporal. Help us to be responsible and to do those things we need to do. You've called us to do that. But also, Father, lift our eyes to heaven throughout the day that we would not make the temporal the eternal. But we would let the eternal be the eternal. And we get our eyes focused on the eternal. And that we would send our roots even deeper, no matter how long we've been in the Lord, that we would continue to allow your word to water us and to water us and to water us that it would just, we, our roots would just go deeper and deeper and deeper. That no matter what storm comes and blows against us, we will do what Ephesians says. We will stand 
we will stand. We will stand firm in the Word of God. Our testimony will be that there is a God who loves you. There is a God who died for you, Jesus, and you can have a relationship with them. Use us this week as your ambassadors, Lord, as we go out into our mission field. You know, maybe you're here this morning as the saints are praying and you do not have Jesus as your Savior. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And I would encourage you to pray this prayer. You have people around you that love you, that care for you, and right now are praying for your eternal destiny because you are actually living in eternity right now. You just have not crossed that final threshold. And they are praying that you would make that decision, that eternal decision right now today. So if that is you, if you need Jesus as your Savior this morning, God loves you and desires a relationship with you. Just pray this prayer with me. God, I do need to repent. I acknowledge I am on the highway to hell. But I thank you for this morning. I thank you for showing me that there is a highway to heaven. And that your son died for all of my sins. And so God, I ask Jesus to be my Savior right now. I ask your Holy Spirit to come within me right now. And I receive Him as my Savior. I turn right now. And I start right now on that road that leads to heaven. Thank you, God, for accepting me. I don't understand what this all means yet, but I trust you will show me. So I say thank you. Each and every day, help me to become more like Jesus for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for this time and and we thank you for your goodness. Lord, you're not you're, you're long suffering. So even as we go out this week to our mission field, help us to remember that that you you want all to be saved. We know they're not all going to be saved, but that's still your heart. So whoever paths we cross, help us to look at that person as a possible saint. How can we mis- minister to this possible saint? In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand, guys. God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great week. Remember, God loves you. And God wants to use you this week. Have a blessed week. If you receive Jesus as your Savior, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you again. And if you need prayer for anything, we're going to be up here to pray with you. Please come up and we'll pray with you. God bless you guys. Have a great week. I needed rescue. I needed rescue, my sin was heavy, I 
chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. You call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Your love is 